Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mean Line Media presents the Olivia Fox Podcast. Welcome to the Olivia Fox Podcast. Once again, we are up in here. Yes, I am Olivia Fox, and thank you so much once again for tuning in to another episode. You guys know the drill. You got to tell a friend to tell a friend where your girl is. We're right here. You can find us everywhere because obviously you're here. You found me. Now go tell somebody else. Go tell that. Because that's how we grow and expand. And that's what we want. So thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. Now, before we started this thing, we were in the green room talking about the state of our country. And we know, you know, on the political front, things seem to be going backwards with some some folk are trying to basically change history especially when it comes to our people, African-Americans, blacks, whatever you want to call yourselves. And it seems like it's just happening, you know, in overdrive. It's just a common, you know, let's go after and let's change and We don't want our kids to feel bad. But on the flip side, because I like to stay positive. Yeah, I like to, you know, try to find the silver lining and things. It seems that our people are stepping up and telling our stories from so many different angles. And so keeping with that subject, tonight we are going to be talking to uh, a a young lady who um, I had the pleasure of meeting many, 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 40, 40, 40 some years ago at Southern Illinois University in Carbondale. (laughs) But this woman is phenomenal. She's an incredible award-winning journalist. She's an author. She has her own podcast. And now she is in the South Carolina area and she has just launched this movement. And a lot of people may not know. And the only reason why I'm familiar about the low country and the Gullah experience and the Geechee experience is because I lived in Charleston and, you know, I just learned so much. So first and foremost, Luana, thank you so much. Let me say your whole name, Luana Grave Sellers. How are you? I'm really, really good. And I'm proud of you because, you know, you. from college days to now, I've, I've watched you soar. So that's, that's a beautiful thing in itself. It's crazy, isn't it? And it's, it's really wild the way time, you know, just flies by. But, you know, we out here still grinding, still trying to make a difference. And so thank you so much for agreeing to come on the program. I know you're here on our network with your podcast, but you know what? I'm so glad that you took the time to talk to us. Now, I don't even know where to start, okay? Because from what I heard, last I talked to you, you were in Washington, D.C. You were working for one of the top newspapers here. And then I understand you just kind of rolled on out and moved to South Carolina. So first and foremost, how did that happen? Well, you know, What made you say, I'm going to go to South Carolina? Well, um, I moved south. I moved to Florida. And then what I wound up doing is following my mother who decided to retire in Hilton Head. And so I always knew that I would end up in Hilton Head, but not as soon as I did. 
And so it was, to be truthful, it was God-driven. It was all, I don't believe in coincidences, but it was a set of circumstances that just led me to be here and to really just start my my writing career um, as a, a um, Gullah Geechee focused um, writer. And that was the, the beginning of something I really wasn't prepared for. Now, for those who don't know, if you can tell us a little bit about Geechee culture and Gullah culture and the low country, which I know of as, as, as the South Carolina area, um, cause I was in Charleston and it was the, 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 you know, the culture was just so, it was new to me, but girl, when they start throwing everything over rice, I knew I was home. Collard greens <laughs> over rice. Look, it always comes back to food. Collard greens <laughs> over rice, black eyed peas over rice. They was like, this is the Gullah way of doing things. And I was like, yes, I'm in the right place. So tell us a little bit about the Gullah culture. So I'll what give is you it th- all about? I'll give you the 30-second history. So the West African um, people that were enslaved were brought over here, especially in the North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida, and Georgia, because of their skills in growing rice, because they'd been doing it in Africa for centuries. So... Charleston was the largest and most active port in the United States. And so a majority of those enslaved people came through there. And because along the Eastern seaboard, you have all of these sea islands, they were able to, because of that isolation, hold on to their traditions and their culture. And because they were commonality of circumstance kind of thrown together different countries, different languages, different traditions, they had to learn to communicate. And so that's where the Gullah language came from. I remember in Charleston, the market, and I remember having that history told to me that when the ships would come in, that's where they would sell our people. And even now I haven't been there in years, but I know back in the day, they used to have the women that would be out making the baskets by hand, a tradition that has been going on for hundreds of years. And I was really taken by the culture and just the history of it, because you think you know a little bit about us and we just, our history is so vast. And so, you know, when you learn just a little piece at a time, it can be really eye-opening. So you began the foundation, the Low Country Gullah Foundation. Now, what is the 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 uh, positioning statement of your foundation? Well, when I started writing on the Gullah culture, I was really starting it because I wanted to document the culture. I didn't want a lot of the elders to pass on and some of the stories and the traditions and the information would be lost. So basically, that's kind of how it started. But I realized that I couldn't do the culture justice if I wasn't also dealing with the most critical aspect of the culture that, or crisis, I should say, that the culture is in. And that's the loss of historic Gullah land that enslaved people bought like 150 years ago. And um, we're losing land in droves. And so that's why the foundation exists to document that culture, because I do a lot of writing and the documentary and the podcast and all that other stuff. But preserving the land is 
utmost importance because um, apparently the newest statistic out is that 90% of black land loss in America is as a result of heirs property issues. And that's the land that uh, the majority of black people own. Now, the, does um, the raising of taxes on land, has that played into it as well? Yeah, definitely. Because take Hilton Head where I am, when a developer, and you may have heard of the Josephine Wright story that you know has gone national, she's here on the island. And in her case, a developer has the land that surrounds her kind of in a horseshoe shape, and she's smack dab in the middle. And they want her land. And so because of the development, um, her taxes and everybody else's taxes go up because, you know, if you build a million dollar house and say your house is only worth one hundred and fifty or two hundred thousand dollars, your taxes go up based on on that that comp in the neighborhood. So that's primarily one of the biggest issues that people are um, experiencing along the coastline. Mm. And so what what are the resources that people are turning to and are you able to take an active role in helping families? Because I know that it's got to be disheartening, especially, you know, if the, the land has been owned for generation, generations. And then here we are, 2023, you've got these greedy, greedy uh, gentrifiers trying to come in and buy up everything so they can build some Starbucks and some dog parks. Meanwhile, the history is just really just being destroyed. Exactly. And land is the culture's greatest asset that that we have. And so part of the problem is a lot of people don't even know they're living on heirs property until there's a problem. Maybe someone passed away. Maybe there's an argument. You know, maybe someone found some documents and realized that the, the land was not properly not only titled, but passed down through the generations. And so because of that, when people don't know, you don't know what you don't know. So when you don't know that there's an issue, then it becomes a really complicated mess trying to to unravel it. Because if someone purchased land 100 years ago, 150 years ago, right after the Civil War, you might have a thousand heirs by now. And so every single one of those heirs may be, not maybe, but is entitled to a portion of that property. And so there goes the fight and trying to figure it out. And then when you talk about those people, those greedy developers, they're reaching out to that one weak link who, if you wave, you know, 20, 30, $50,000 in their face, that may seem a lot to that individual, but the land might be worth a million dollars. So they're only getting a drop in the bucket compared to what they could have. But it all it all goes down to um, education and really, making just, sure people have know what there's what's going on. Just predators, just yes. predators. Um, how much uh, would you say estate planning could alleviate or help this situation with families not knowing? or who the point person is, or even, you know, knowing your lineage of people, you know, because a lot of people, I mean, it's become a little bit more popular with all the different, uh, the television shows and the different kits that you can buy where you can kind of trace 
back. But I don't think people are making the tie between tracing your elders and land and homes and things that might be rightfully a part of your family lineage. Would you say that estate planning could help a lot of this or Absolutely. is it deeper than that? It, it, well, that's, it, it is deeper than that, but that's the beginning because, because in West African tradition, land was of God's. So having a piece of paper that says this land is your land, you know, it's not traditional. So that was the first thing. Then, you know, Jim Crow laws and a whole bunch of other things, you know, complicated matters and, and just plain not knowing any better. But because of that lack of documentation, when people have a will, most black people don't have wills. Whoever's listening, if you don't have a will, please go get one, <laughs> you know, because when you don't have a will, that's the first part of the issue. And then from from not having a will to elders just dying off and not having a succession plan in place, there comes the argument on who gets what, what are we doing with the land, why are we doing it this way? You know, and, and the, the sad thing is one of the dumbest laws in South Carolina is that if there are a hundred heirs or whatever the number is to a property, if one person disagrees with the majority, they can force the sale and displace everybody. And you don't know what? that until you are told to get off your land. So it's, it's, a, it's a huge, huge problem. Wait a minute. So you're saying one because I gotta understand this. One person in an entire family, does it matter where they are in the placement in terms of they have to be the immediate family or can it be anybody in no, the family? It can be anybody who is a part uh, has a percentage ownership of that land. It could be someone who lives in California and has never even stepped foot on South Carolina, whatever the place is. If they've stepped on that land and they are descendant from that original person, you know, whoever it was, they have a say. And because, again, if you have 100 people, 1,000 people, the easiest thing to do for a judge is to say, let's just do a partition sale and sell it off. Unless you can buy that person out, but chances are you can't afford to. And so there goes the property. And sometimes it winds up going to a tax sale, which some people think that letting it go to the tax sale is the easiest way to clear the title. Well, yeah, it'll clear the title. But when it clears the title, it also comes with the amount of money that that person who bid on the land, that probably a developer who wants to have it. And now, you know, that thousand dollar tax bill that you had is now 12 or 15 or twenty thousand dollars so it's it's a huge it's a huge huge problem the game is rigged i don't care what nobody say the game is rigged and but you got to learn the rules and you got to learn how to maneuver and so what would you say uh it was one of the toughest cases that you uh assisted your nonprofit assisted in and in, in terms of trying to you know, help a family that perhaps was going through something like this that you can remember? Well, 
I'll I'll tell you two two scenarios. One was um, a woman. She's 94. Her husband just passed away. He didn't have a will. The prop, you know, his his um, estate went into probate, and because the property, no succession plan, was in his name, the the tax rate went up for the percentage. So on top of that, there was development close by. So when she went to the the county to say, you know, this is my land, I want to put it in my name. All of a sudden, her taxes, which were four hundred and forty dollars a year forever, suddenly went to twenty two hundred dollars a year. She can't afford that. And so not only helping her with a succession plan, making sure she has a will, making sure that the property has has a plan moving forward, as well as stepping in and actually paying her taxes. I mean, that's what we do sometimes because we have people who just can't do it. Um, I had a veteran call me the other day. He's unemployed. He's got long COVID. He can't afford to to work and to, to be able to pay his taxes. So we step in for that. In other cases, there are family members who are just fighting over what to do with the land. And because of that disagreement, they thought, we'll just let it go to the tax sale. They let it go to the tax sale. If they had just paid the taxes and let us help them mediate, we could have gotten it done for $1,000. By the time it went to the tax sale, the bill was $2,000, but then someone paid $90,000 on top of their, their um, that $2,000 bill. So they had to pay the interest which goes up by 12% in a year on top of that original, you know, amount of uh, money that was for the taxes. So, you know, it's, it's, it's sad. And like you said, it, it is very non hold on to your land friendly, the way that the laws are and, you know, picking on South Carolina, Normally, if your property goes to the tax sale and you cannot pay the tax, you still have a year of what they call a redemption period, okay? You can do that throughout the state. You still have to pay a little bit more interest, but in a year, you can still get your property back. Dorchester County just started removing that redemption period. So if your property goes to the sale, it's done. It's gone. And people have been trying to sell, uh, to, to sue, to find out, you know, how they can get their property back and they're losing to the county. So it's, it's, it's heartbreaking stories. It's, it's That's all so disheartening. very heartbreaking. That's so disheartening. So sad, especially if you've had land uh, in your family for generations. It, it's just so disheartening. And, you know, I got to make a mental note to make sure that I try my part to try to get an estate you know, person who's involved with the state planning to get them on to educate our people, you know, because it's so many things involved. And then the more assets that you acquire, there's more different, you know, different laws and things that you just have to know. And, and, you know, just simply writing down the things that you own and where you're going to get them and who are you going to send them to and what you're going to do. And I think a lot of it has to do with people don't like to talk about death. 
Right. They don't even want to think about it. Right. And so, you know, we're going to live forever. Big mama's right. going to be here forever. So we don't need to worry about this. And then if something happens, we'll just come together. Girl, how many funerals have you been at, been to where, you know, at the passing, the, the after, at, look, the after party, there's a fight or something, there's some kind of disagreement because of exactly what you're talking about. There's nothing in writing to say this is what happens. And land is so important because, you know, I remember my father as a young person, he would always say, get you some dirt, get you some dirt, because no matter what, you can always build on that dirt. Or like you said, if people are coming in and they want to build, you can get a lot of money if you decide to go that route. And exactly. so how and, can well, people, you know, I'm sorry, just, go ahead. I, I'm sorry. Just, just to that point, the difference between land that say you and I could go out and buy today and Gullah land is that first of all, there's blood in the soil. So mm. that in itself just gives it a whole nother meaning to it. Not only that, it was purchased by someone who had nothing. They went from the clothes on their back to be able to afford something. So that's not only the, the, value that comes from that land, but it's your legacy, it's your heritage, it, it is so many things, including that important asset. And so that's why it's so vitally important that we hold on to what's left. Let me ask you this, because I was told years ago when I lived in Charleston, that Geechee was considered a derogatory term. Is that true? And has it evolved past that? Yes, it is true. And that is part of the issue that the culture is facing, that a lot of elders were essentially embarrassed out of their culture, out of talking about it, out of being identified as a rice eating Geechee. You know, those were some of the, those labels that people just didn't want to have. And there's so many children who are adults now who were either shamed out of it or told by their parents, don't talk that way so that they could code switch. You know, they may talk that way at home, but they code switched when they went out to work or in public, which we all still do. But, you know, so that, so that they could be a part of society and not have that moniker of being embarrassed uh, like the elders were. So is it no longer derogatory term? Do people use it freely and are kind of proud of this is who I am, this is my history, this is where I'm from? You know what? The, the thing that I truly, truly love about the work that I do is that there has been a real in, uh, resurgence of pride in the culture and wanting to learn about the culture and wanting to know where you came from and what my people did and all of those things. And so the, the, the younger generations are really taking it like, yep, I'm Gullah or I'm Gullah Geechee. Matter of fact, I've stopped calling myself black or African-American. Now I call myself a Gullah Geechee American. That's what I am. And that means something to me more so than black American. Cause you know, that's a color. And then African-American, Africa where? What country? So Gullah Geechee American, that makes sense. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it frustrates me 
not just with, you know, the others, but our ourselves, a lot of people just say, you know, I'm a descendant of Africa. And I'm like, boo, <laughs> Africa is a continent. Could you be a little bit more specific? It drives me nuts, but you know, that you know, it is what it is. Little things get on your nerves as you get older. Be like, what yeah, is going no, on out here? <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? So what are some of the um, latest things that you're going to be working on with your foundation? And, and what are some things that you've got coming up that you're looking forward to? Well, on the land side, we're really excited about not only a schedule of workshops, wills clinics, so people can come out and get a free will. Um, but it's education, 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 so that people know what they can do and have a game plan. And that's the primary mission that the foundation has, so that people can know where they are and be able to move forward in a positive way that they can hold on to their land. So we're really excited about that. We're really excited about working on a state level to try and change some of those laws because it, it has to be a top-down, bottom-up scenario that makes a difference. So we're really excited about that. On my creative side, when, when I have nothing better to do, I'm working on my fourth documentary, uh, wow. on Union Color Troop Soldiers. Um, I was pulling pictures while I was waiting to talk to you. Um, and, and I'm really excited about my Harriet Tubman documentary because I did one on her and her time in South Carolina. And it was picked up by PBS. So I was yes, really ma'am. <laughs> still floating, you know, okay. in April, um, but still floating about that. So, you know, between the podcast and the writing and, and everything. It's, it's never a dull moment. <laughs> right. So how do you keep yourself on a personal level? Because I have, you know, black, you know, I think black men too, but you know, I'd be about my sisters, but how do you keep yourself grounded as a black woman? Um, and, and you've taken on all these different, um, uh, responsibilities. How do you keep yourself grounded? How do you keep it all together? Well, every day is a challenge. <laughs> if I'm going to be honest, it is totally keep it a real. I am. I, you know, I'm, I'll totally keep it real. But what I've started to do is once a month, a friend and I, we go to the spa. You know, either it's a massage or a facial or something. You know, starting to really, I mean, I'm really good at scheduling things, what I got to do, where I have to be. But I, I'm really starting to put the me time into yes. the schedule and I have to do it that way or it's not going to get done. And, and that's what I say. If it's not in my phone, it's not happening. So I have to put stuff in there, you know, like watch a movie today or, you know, whatever, whatever it is that, that I decided I want to do just so that I can have that, that downtime. Because, you know, it's, it's very easy to get on that, that um, hamster wheel and keep going and keep going. And then, you know, you're not helping anybody and you're, you're not able to, to take care of yourself and or anybody else if you keep going like that. And I also think that when you take that time out, whether it be, you know, like you said, a spa, which girl, I love spa day. Or just meditating or walking or visiting with family. To me, mentally, it makes you better. Yeah. And it, it helps you 
to uh, refocus because you're like, okay, I got that, you know, I'm, I, I can, I'm regrouping now and now we can get back into it to, to do what it is that I'm trying to put down. So I, I, I get that. So how can people that are listening want to find out more about your, your foundation or maybe want to contribute to your efforts? How, how would they go about doing that? Well, um, the, the website is lowcountrygullah.com. Um, okay. So you can go there, everything, the writing, the stories, the information, it's all there, including the foundation, which is linked to that site. So there's, there's the lowcountrygullahfoundation.org, which is the primary, the, the land, but there's also lowcountrygullah.com. And so either way, you can find me and follow the work that I'm doing and, and learn something about you. I mean, that's one of the things that, that I have learned very early on. I say that what I'm doing is my cultural journey. And so what I have found is that there are a lot of people like me who were looking for that ancestral grounding that couldn't find it. Well, I found it and I'm sharing my journey and a lot of people are being motivated to find themselves and find out, you know, who, who they are. And so to me, that's, that's the most important thing. Um, having that cultural connection that most of us don't have, um, as black people. So, um, that's how you can find me. And that's what, a what blessing. you're doing. Okay. <laughs> That's a blessing, though, because, you know, there are people walking around on this earth who have no idea what their purpose is. So the very fact that not only are you impacting the lives of others, but you're also living with purpose, which yeah. to me, at the end of the day, that that's what it's all about. Family, you know, taking care of yourself, living with purpose and impacting the lives of of other people. Are there any, is there anything else you'd like to share about what you're doing, girl? I'm so proud of you. Let me just get this off my chest real quick. Okay. <laughs> because everybody ain't able. Okay. So you come from working at one of the top newspapers and I know you've done tons of other things and you had that career and you did your thing and award winning and 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 then you just kind of flipped it and went into a whole nother direction. And I'm saying this to say there are a lot of people out here that they feel like they've run the course of what they felt was what they were going to be doing for the rest of their lives. And sometimes it's inside of you where you feel like, you know, OK, I'm comfortable and I'm doing my thing, but there's something at me. There's something deep inside that that I, I feel like I, there's more for me. There's something else. And so for you to be able to do that, that, that is amazing. And that part of your journey is something, I don't know if you have shared, but people need to hear it, girl, because sometimes, you know, people feel like it's too late or they're too comfortable and well, I can't do that. You know, and they scared and you really do have to step out on faith. How did you go about thinking about doing that? I know you shared about your mother retiring, but Deep inside, was there ever a moment where you were kind of fearful, like, mm, I don't know, or was it time for you to go and do something new? Well, see, the, the, the backstory is, um, as a ch since I was a child, I hated writing. So since like third or fourth grade, I have a degree in journalism, but 
you know, I was doing mass communication, you know, the technical side, you know, all of that. But so when, when my mother retired here, what happened was my sister, I had, she had just moved into the house and I had just helped her unload the boxes. I was about to go back to Florida and my sister passed away. And so Ooh, I turned around in sorry. the car, literally eight hours, came right back and stay, decided to stay here in South Carolina, just, you know, with my mother. And so while I was here, I was looking for something to do. I wasn't looking for a full job, you know, but just something to do. And I just said, we were driving down past one of the magazines. I said, you know, I'll pull in, I'll just go and speak to the, to, to them about selling it. Cause you know, my background is also in sales and they're like, well, we don't need anybody to sell the magazine, but we want to diversify the magazine and we want to make the Gullah stories um, and the culture more of a focus. And so it was November and I said, well, what are you doing for February edition for Black History Month? They're like, well, we hadn't even thought about it. So I said, okay, fine, I'll do it. They didn't know what I was going to do. They didn't give me any parameters. And that was the good thing because right. just, I just said, fine, I'll do it. And I wound up writing six articles wow. that were, were so long, about 8,500 words, that they literally had to extend the width of the magazine, the page count, to accommodate what I did. And the response from the magazine was so great that people started hoarding the magazine. They went into reprint. They started sending it across the country. And so the magazine was just like, okay, now what else can you do? Right. So, Girl, that was good, but yeah, can we get some more? Exactly. Wow. So, so I just said, you know what, I'll write a column, a monthly column on the first families of Hilton Head. And that's what started it all. I mean, growing up, I had heard my aunt say that they were Geechee, but they never said a Geechee what? They never told me anything. So until I started writing, it was really the beginning of not only a new career, but it was also the beginning of my cultural journey of discovering that I'm Gullah Geechee. I'm a Charleston Geechee, just like you. Really? Um, yeah. Uh, my, I'm a Ravenel, out of Ravenel and, and Charleston wow. and Georgetown. So, you know, but these are all the kind of things that I've learned as I've been going along. And I wound up writing over 300 articles a few years later and because people were still asking me for the links and stuff, I said, you know what, I'm just going to put it on a website so it can have an archive. And I started a Facebook page and I said, you know, I'll just post one of my articles once a month and that'll be the Facebook page. And people just started following me. And that's wow. where it has grown from that. It was no real plan. It was, like I said, no coincidences. You know, it was, it was totally where I was supposed to wow. be, why I was supposed to be doing it and how I was supposed to be doing it. And I've just, I've just decided to let it go. And I'm letting God and the ancestors push me to wherever and however I need to do what I need to do. And that's, that's how it started. And, you know, now I'm, you know, doing both of the nonprofits. That is amazing. That is amazing. Girl, sometimes what is for you is for you. 
and and people have been receptive. What's the Facebook page? Because I want to go check that out. Everything is Low Country Gullah. So okay. I'm on YouTube. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. You can you just Google even the new threads. I'm on there too. Everything <laughs> Low Country Gullah. <laughs> it has been such a pleasure talking to you. I you know Saluki for life. <laughs> You know, I tell talk people about SIUC and every once in a while, somebody would be like, go Saluki. So just to see another Saluki and my a black woman out here just doing the doggone thing and most importantly, impacting the lives of our people. Uh, congratulations. Me. Thank you so, so much. Oh, podcast. How can they hear the podcast? Almost forgot. Low Country Gullah podcast. <laughs> it, it's all on there. It's all on the website. You, you pull up Low Country Gullah and right. you know, it's like the list is long. <laughs> Google is like, yeah, yes. she's working it. <laughs> more, 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 more. But that's more, good. More. That's well, good. That's all you need to know. <laughs> yeah, Amazing. But, Amazing. But thank you for mentioning the podcast because I tend to forget it sometimes. But if someone is interested in learning the whole how the culture started to all of the different elements of the culture. Um, the, that's what I do on the podcast, you know, from beginning to end and just constantly educating people on, on um, every element that, that comes to mind. Amazing. Now, is there somewhere, cause I know you got to go, but is there somewhere you said with the PBS, is that already gone out? Can somebody, you know, find it or will they re-air it or how, how, how can we see that? Or can we? Yes, you can. It's, it's still, you can stream it. If you, um, if you Google Harriet Tubman from the railroad to a spy, uh -huh. it will come up and you can watch the link on, um, PBS and, and there are a couple of links. Um, I, I know Milwaukee is still streaming it and South Carolina is still streaming it too. So yes, you can go on there. Google, low country. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's there. Yes. Thank you so much. Congratulations on everything. Continue to do what you do. And uh, I'm going to check some of your stuff out because it's really interesting. And it kind of takes me back. The most beautiful city I've ever lived in. I've lived in a lot of places, but I cried like a baby when I left the low country because it is absolutely beautiful. So God bless you, your mother, and, and just enjoy yourself down there and continue to do what you do. I appreciate you so much. Oh, thank you. And God bless you, too. And it is so fabulous to see you face-to-face -face and, you know, <laughs> instead of messaging all, you know, every once in a while. Um, right. But thank you. It, it's been a pleasure, and, and um, I'm glad we were able to catch up. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Full circle, girl. Full Absolutely. circle. Absolutely. <laughs> That's going to do it for the Olivia Fox podcast. You guys, thank you so much for listening and supporting this program. Remember, tell a friend to tell a friend that this is where we are and this is what we're doing. And we'll talk again soon. The Olivia Fox podcast is produced and hosted by Olivia Fox. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Get the Olivia Fox podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, comment, and rate. Follow Olivia Fox on IG at Olivia Fox Radio. Follow the Mean O-Line Media Podcast Network at Mean O-Line Media. Get the Mean O-Line Media app in the App Store or on Google Play. The Olivia Fox Podcast is a Mean O-Line Media production.
Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.